Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you The Seminarians, a dialogue with students from the Pontifical College Josephinum, produced by AM820 to encourage and inspire vocations to the religious life. And now, The Seminarians. Welcome to The Seminarian Show. I'm Gordon Mott from the Great Diocese of Columbus. Joining me are Dalton Irvin from Victoria, Texas, and Jonathan Torres from Charlotte, North Carolina. And now let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we give you thanks for the gift of life and for the gift of our particular lives. Help us to embrace every day that you send us with a warm and joyful heart, no matter the circumstance. Um, Help us to find holiness in all things, and help us to use all these things to increase our, our love of you. Help us every day to fall more madly in love with you. We ask all this in your most holy and perfect name as we pray in the words that our Lord Jesus Christ taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, I think today's show might be interesting. I thought that we might talk about how to become a saint. It, uh, it seems like um, and a kind of a lofty you know, thing to, to try and strive for. And, but the fact of the matter is, it happens every day. So um, maybe we can talk about some of our favorite saints and particularly relatable saints, because I feel like there's often this trap that we fall into that when we hear about the lives of a saint or the lives of saints that, you know, they kind of seem a little bit fantastic to us and inaccessible for us in our current circumstance. So maybe if you could think of a saint that you would really just enjoy spending a day with, who would that be? I think for myself, uh, St. John Paul II you see all these great pictures of him um, being a pope of the more modern age, uh, kayaking or hanging out with a bunch of friends uh, at a picnic or, or on a river, uh, skiing. He was a man of the theater, mm-hmm. uh, sports. I think John Paul II would be a guy you wouldn't get bored with. Yeah. Uh, also a profound thinker. Um, yeah, that that would be one saint that I could spend probably more than one day with. Yeah, he, had had, he had such a great <laughs> natural way of just speaking absolutely from the heart. Yeah. And it's great because you Google and you see these pictures of him just out camping and saying mass, you know, with yeah. just his friends, you know, yeah. totally. Yeah. I, I think that's a great saint. Jonathan, what about you? Yeah. So honestly, at, at first, um, you know, thinking about it, just um, in a quick thought, St. Augustine may not seem totally relatable. Um, him being a doctor of the church, you know, a great thinker a great theologian, prolific writer. But but um I do think that looking at his life, the way that he um the um evolved as it were, um let grace pour into his early life and then out mm-hmm. to his um, older life um is very relatable. Um at least for me, um seeing the way he was stuck in sin, the struggles that he had as a child, um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the way he disliked school, he just wanted to play, um hanging out with his friends, uh, a distaste for um religious things. Um, I think that um, most modern young people can relate to that um, that struggle. Do you want to spend time with him before or after his conversion? I think, I'm well, confused that's right a good now. question. That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
let's do both. You know, a night uh, before and then a night after. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes. He, well, I just think, that way you can give testimony to God's goodness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think uh, sharing a beer with Saint Augustine would be very, very fun. Um, but yeah, so I think um, you know, despite his greatness, his lofty, you know, his loftiness, um, I think um, he's underneath it all. He's very human. Yeah. Um, no, without a so. doubt. Yeah, I, I think that's a great choice. Um, for me, I think it would be uh, Saint Philip Neri, because you know, despite some of the sort of you know legendary sorts of tales that you hear about him sometimes in these isolated episodes. Um, a lot of the struggles that his chief biographer wrote about in his day-to-day life were just ordinary things, you know, struggling with discouragement about, you know, his circumstance or struggling to, you know, overcome temptation in particular circumstance. Um, you know, then maybe, honestly, probably St. Jim Golgani. Um because she had a very kind of, I don't know, she just had this very down-to-earth spirituality that just totally revolved around never giving up on anybody. And, But I think to a certain extent that would be intimidating because mm. here's this never give up. And I, I think I'd more enjoy the day with Philip Neary. Mm-hmm. But okay, so, well, that's that's fun to you know, kind of think about these ideas. Um, because there's nothing wrong, I don't think, with thinking of saints and... In familiar terms. I mean, certainly when we adopt them as a patron, we should have a friendly kind of a relationship with mm-hmm. them, and it should be easy to, to seek recourse to them. So so now let's kind of go on this other side. So, you know, if we have a good relationship with the saints, and if we find it easy to relate to at least one, is there anything wrong with aspiring to become one yourself? You know, with making the resolution, telling your friends, hey, I want to become a saint. Let's become saints. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? Well, that's our Christian vocation, right? Our first vocation is the universal call to holiness. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, there's definitely no – it's wrong to not aspire to become a saint in the life of a Christian um, because of what are you living for as a Christian if you're not seeking sainthood uh, would be my answer to that question. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, and that's absolutely right because, I mean, everybody that's in heaven is a saint, so we mm-hmm. should – you know, desire, uh, at least to be, you know, one of them, you know, but to be canonized. I mean, so like Jose Maria Escriva was well known for St. Jose Maria Escriva was well known, um, even in his seminary days that he wanted to become a saint, you know, um, St. Therese of Lasalle, you know, pretty much from day one. Well, after her big conversion episode with her father. Um, what about the unknowns? You know, are there, unknown saints that are perfectly canonizable that maybe their stories aren't known you know like saint grandma of the chocolate chip cookies <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think um there's there's you know thousands of uh people that are living hidden lives um and i think we we even probably know a few of them you know oh absolutely my own mother <laughs> didn't yeah. care of me you know <laughs> she used to call me the saint maker <laughs> so, um so i think yeah absolutely um and in a way, those are, um, in a sense, I think there's a certain um, beauty to those lives that they're not even seeking the glory. They're mm-hmm. not seeking uh, fame, but mm-hmm. they still want to leave these lives of integrity because not only for the love, um, their love of the Lord, but also because, you know, they, they want to be the best person that they're called to be. So Yeah. Well, and I love, I love that. I, I know that you were joking when you, you said the saint maker thing, mm-hmm. but honestly, so there's this great parallel with um, now Father Thomas Hergie when... He and I were talking a couple of years back at seminary. 
um, he said to me, he just turns to me all of a sudden. He says, you know, Gordon, everybody that's sent into your life is sent to make you a saint, whether you want to cooperate with that or not. Mm-hmm. And he said, and you're sending everybody else's life in order to make them a saint, whether you want to cooperate with that or not. Yeah. I just thought that was just an interesting, you know, great kind of, there's, there's a lot of depth to plumb in that, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. The, uh, okay. Well then, so let's talk about the stages of canonization, because I think a lot of people think that the Holy Father, you know, just like points his, um, his mitre in the right direction and then poof, somebody's a saint. Mm-hmm. So, um, is that, you know, can we maybe talk about the process? Because, you know, so there's four steps. And so like the first is servant of God mm-hmm. and, you know, so that one really just looks at, and we, we can talk a little bit about this later. Um, it really looks at whether or not you live out the holy, vir- the theological virtues in your life, mm-hmm. faith, hope, and love. I mean, simple, these three. Um, and, so then you have like venerable, you know, which requires one miracle and then blessed, which is when they find the second and they're mm-hmm. looking into it. And then finally saint, right? So do you, can, do you know anybody off the top of your head that's like currently uh, a blessed or a venerable or, you know, somebody that's on their path to sainthood, but isn't there quite yet? Yeah, I actually have um, great devotion to venerable mother Jean Cesar de Mattel, the foundress of my aunt's religious order. She was a, a French lady, uh, founded the Sisters of the Incarnate Word and Blessed Sacrament. And she's been a venerable um, for many years, many years, uh, praying for that second miracle. Well, that's that's awesome. I actually have to write down that name later because I've, I've never heard of it, but I'm always interested in the venerables. And then, of course, we've got, you know, the famous example, which is Archbishop Fulton Sheen, right? Yeah, that's, who, what, I was, that's what I was thinking. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you see, it's like where our minds are melding. So. There you go. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> um, well, you know, so what about the the venerables? Like the fact that you can know about them mm-hmm. and, you know, the fact that maybe they're even closer in history than some of these, these older saints, you know, is there something different that we can draw from their lives? Do you think that in terms of inspiration or, you know? Yeah. I think, you know, the, the church puts these, these people forth for us to, as a model that we can live our our lives accordingly. Um, their lives are worthy of imitation. I think that's the language that they Mm -hmm. use. Um, and so, you know, this is not just, um, some, you know, power show that the church is like, you know, we can declare who's in heaven, who's not, who's almost there, you know. It's more of a, um, it's more of an aid to the faithful, saying that, you know, look at this person's life, um, and this is a model for holiness. Now imitate it. Um, Yeah, I mean, essentially the message is, you know, they're not so different than you. Yeah. This is doable. Right, You know? Mm -hmm. The, uh, because I think a lot of people have this this image in their head of like personal sanctity, almost like the the nun from that movie Song of Bernadette. I mean, you've mm-hmm. seen that. Right? Oh yeah. The oh, uh, <laughs> when when she approaches, there's this great dramatic scene where she approaches Sister Bernadette and she's like, you know, and she's already getting the visions from the Virgin Mother. And she goes, "Why you, you know, my my knees are ruined from endless hours knelt in prayer, you know, yes, and yeah. like." People think that like, okay, holiness is really just about just, you know, just like this big like endurance race and it's going to be terrible and like, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of joy in it, right? So like JP2 talking about personal sanctity at one point, he says, you know, it's the work of the Holy Spirit with our collaboration. It's about offering ourselves humbly as clay to be molded so that the potter who is God can shape it with fire and water with the word and the spirit. 
And I, I think there's so much beauty to that, that, you know, really sanctity is just about kind of putting your priorities in order and, you know, allowing yourself to be subject to, to God's perfecting action in your life. Mm -hmm. You're listening to the seminarian show on St. Gabriel Catholic radio, AM 820. You can hear this show every Tuesday at noon and Sunday at 1 p.m. and in the audio archives at stgabrielradio.com. I'm Gordon Mott from the Great Diocese of Columbus, Ohio. Joining me are Jonathan Torres from Charlotte, North Carolina, and Dalton Irvin from Victoria, Texas. So we were talking about practical sainthood, let's say. Um, And I happen to have a... uh, a copy with us, and I've shared it with the, the fellows here, of one of the the questionnaires that was used when investigating somebody for the first step of sainthood. You know, and I mentioned earlier about how really what it circulates around the process to become a servant of God, right, is that after you've passed, the congregation would look at the divine virtues of faith, hope, and love, right. So I thought maybe if you guys have that in front of you, um, I thought maybe we could talk about, you know, the, um, well, each of the virtues individually and how they can really help us by choosing to, to exercise them in a greater way or engage them in a greater way to find more kind of peace and joy. Right. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, mother Teresa said, not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things with great love. And, I think that's one of the frustrations of the modern life is everybody's just so busy and schedules are so full that there's not really time to do much of anything. But you don't, sanctity doesn't really consist in great big acts, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so mm-hmm. can we maybe, you know, share an example of, you know, a, a, an act, you know, of the, the, the virtue of faith that would just be a simple little thing that you can do in the course of a day? Yeah, I think um, starting and ending your day uh, in prayer um, I like the term like bookending your day in prayer, um, especially for you know your average um, you know uh, person in the workforce or mother or um, you know people who don't find a lot of time. Like you know we're very blessed as seminarians to to have you know chapels where we live and you know um, liturgy of the hours. You know we pray in common, masses in common, but um, you know other people, most people aren't uh, as fortunate, and so um, just to find those like quiet times in the day, especially in the morning and evening, where you can kind of just contextualize your day and saying, Lord, I, you know, I offer up all my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings in this day, mm-hmm. you know, um, for reparation for, you know, my sins, for other sins, um, any prayer intentions. That just kind of sets the day with this tone so that, you know, even when you are working, you're going about your daily business, um, that's in the back of your head, you know, that these actions are sanctified in a way. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Father John Rosenbodger, who was one of the formators at the the seminary, was fond of what he called uh, javelin prayers. You know, these because these kinds of dedications of the day, they don't necessarily have to be these big, long, elaborate things that you print mm-hmm. off from the internet, right? Um, and he said, you know, sometimes one of the most effective prayers that you can pray in the morning is, "Here I am, o, here I am, O Lord, I come to do Your will." Mm-hmm. You know, the uh, and I always I just thought that was that was very nice. I think um, part of it too is not you know not just of course, I'm not downplaying prayer. It's yeah. absolutely important. But um, I think we, there has to be like a, a fertile soil yeah. that, the, um, that the person needs to cultivate in order for the grace to allow um, change. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so, you know, this, the, the, the Thomistic axiom, grace builds on nature, right? Um, so 
you know, just during the day that you're not, um, you know, watching TV or, you know, um, encapsulated in this, you know, isolated state of technology or you're not, you know, um, grumpy and all these things that um, kind of block grace and doesn't really allow prayer to flow, uh, flow out with grace, as it were. Um, So just finding even moments of silence to read a book, um, good conversation with your, you know, a family member or a friend, um, you know, turning off the phone for a little while and just going for a walk, um, things like that. They they flow into our prayer life and allow for grace to f- flow more freely. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, it's all about learning how to pray um, in our proper vocation. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Even yeah. the diocesan priest cannot sit in hours and hours of meditation right. because that's right. not uh, what he's called proper. to do. Yeah. 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 He's uh, called to the to the mission of Christ yeah. um, in the church as a pastor. Yeah. And that's I think where we get to the married couples or, or single people maybe not necessarily pursuing. Uh, a consecrated life mm-hmm. is learning how in this virtue of faith to implement a prayer life and a relationship with God that is integral. Right? Yeah, that, right. that when they're talking to their friends in conversation for their friends, that's an encounter with the divine. Right. Um, when they're sitting in silence, it's not an empty silence, yeah. but a very intimate closeness with God because nothing else can distract them right. uh, from the Lord's voice in that time. Right. And I think that that flows out into our prayer life in the sense that without the, that um, integral living, um, without that nature that's set, prayer can seem just like a thing that you have to check off. And I, yeah. I've been there. I've been there for many years of my life where I'm just like in the morning, I'm like, all right, got to get on my knees for two minutes and say morning prayer. <laughs> And then I get back up. All right, check. That's done. Yeah. Like that's what we. That's not prayer. That's that, no. or that's not what we want prayer to be. Yeah. Um, or so, magic spells. Or magic they spells. Those magic are, spells. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like uh, the vending machine, Jesus. You know. Well, like, there you are. So. Well, yeah. So like, so there's this great quote from uh, Pope Saint John Paul II when he was addressing the priests in Rome, uh, and he's talking about when Jesus asks, "Do you love me?" and he says his only words are a question, a question about love. Jesus neither approaches nor the, neither reproaches nor condemns. The only thing he wants to do is save Peter. He wants to save him from the danger of remaining closed in on his sin, constantly dwelling with remorse on his frailty, the danger of giving up because of that frailty on all the goodness he had known with Jesus. Jesus wants to save him from self-centeredness and isolation. He wants to save him from the destructive attitude of becoming a victim or of thinking, what does it matter? Which waters down any commitment and ends up in the worst sort of relativism. Jesus wants to set him free from being downcast and above all negative. By his question, Jesus asks Peter to listen to his heart and learn how to discern. You know, the, mm. um, and I think that's, you know, when people, when we talk about, you know, building this kind of fertile soil, this, this prayer life, really what we're talking about is falling in love with, with Christ, mm-hmm. right? The, um, and, it seems like a lot of the things that tend to, you know, sort of kind of get in the way is, you know, is generally our, our feelings of negativity. We're so caught in on ourselves that we kind of, you know, become a black hole almost. Mm-hmm. The, um, okay, so let's talk about hope. The second of the three virtues that the, the congregation looks at, right? The, um, you know, for example, the congregation would ask about, whether the person hopes for, you know, the reward of heaven or about whether in trying circumstances they place their trust in God and had recourse to prayer, you know. The, uh, 
So maybe we can, you know, talk about easy, simple ways to exercise the holy virtue of hope in the day to day. Yeah, that's a tough one. Hope is always a tough virtue to talk about. Um, but, you know, ultimately it is tied to, in, you know, I, I think the, it's extreme. Um, when you look at it in an extreme circumstance, the opposite is despair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, to live in hope, um, it sounds like a little, um, uh, like a light thing to do. Oh, live in hope, you know, have hope. Um, but it's actually um, a, a deep, a deep truth to say that, you know, my hope is in the Lord who made heaven and earth, you know, as mm-hmm. the psalmist oh, says, um, to say that no matter what happens, and that can be, you know, horrible tragedies that I don't even want to think about, about, you know, family members dying, sicknesses, all these things, to to have a steadfast hope in the Lord, to stand firm. And that's a, it's a sort of um, looking into the future, right? It's almost, um, it's almost this, this vision that you're granted with grace to say, you know, this is my situation now, but it, I, I, I trust the Lord that it will get better and that, mm-hmm. you know, he will save me from, from this situation. Well, yeah. Well, and certainly, and I, I think we've all known people that in our lives that, you know, we're in the midst of these situations where there really wasn't a lot to be happy or joyful about. And yet there was still kind of this inner peace and mm-hmm. sanctity where, right. you know, right. you visit them and you almost want to write down everything that they say because yeah. Yeah. it's like, wow, I need some of that in my life. Yeah. yeah. You know? yeah. The, um, well, that's, that's good. So, okay, so let's, uh, let's talk about uh, the holy virtue of charity. That ought to be a little bit easier to talk about. <laughs> the, <laughs> um, you know, the love of God and the love of our neighbor. So, you know, what's some things that just in the ordinary day-to-day that we can do to exercise the holy virtue of charity? Dalton, I haven't heard from you in a while. Yeah, for charity, I would say, you know, we see so many people around us doing good works, um, founding charities, funding charities. Um, opening soup kitchens, giving gifts to the uh, you know the poor at Christmas time, but we we know from the scriptures that if it's done without love of God, which would be charity behind it, it's nothing. So I think just calling to mind all the good things we do each day because there's a lot of very good people, you know, quote unquote good people. You hear when people pass away, well, they were a good person. Mm-hmm. Well, were their actions, were the good things they were doing? backed by charity, this love of God, right? Love of mm-hmm. neighbor comes from love of God. Mm-hmm. Without without the love of God behind it, right. it is um, empty. Or not empty in that good's not being done, but empty in, in that you're not meriting anything for eternal life. Yeah, yeah. Um, because we have to be driven first and foremost by that love of God. And so the easiest way, I think, to recommend then how to implement charity into our lives is through a daily examine. Mm. Um, how can I, you know, with that prayer that I'm starting my day out with, how am I keeping God at the forefront of my mind so that when I see the homeless on the cor- on the corner at the stoplight and I give them a couple bucks, yeah. or I give them a gift card to, to go get a breakfast at McDonald's, is that out of love of God or is that so that I don't feel bad when I drive away? Right. Or so right. that he gets right. food in his belly. Yeah. Well, and even these little acts, right, that don't necessarily require spending money is just, you know, smiling at somebody you really don't want to smile at, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or making a choice to pray for somebody that hasn't been super kind to you. So, you know, for example, um, St. Gemma Golgani, you know, as she would go about her day, now she had the grace to see her guardian angel, uh, and they had worked out a little system of hand signs 
that if she knew that she was going into a situation where she wouldn't be able to stop and take time to pray, she would make this little sign of like a little cross with her hands between her thumb and her forefinger. And that was assigned to her guardian angel to, to pray on our father for her right then and there, you know, hmm. which is just another kind of neat, simple little way in order to incorporate, you know, charity into, into our lives or, um, St. Teresa Lasso, where her father gave her those gratitude beads, where it was her job to find 10 things to give thanks to God for mm-hmm. in the course of a day, mm-hmm. you know, the, um, well, you guys, do you have anything else that you'd like to elaborate on? Or? No, just in closing, I think uh, just cultivating that um, that spirit of prayer. Um, uh, just you know, f- just be aware of the the things around you to where you can um, to where you can even enter silence in in the busyness of your life. Um, you know, shutting the phone off for a little while. Uh, you know, saying saying a hail mary. You know, mm-hmm. uh, when you have a, a minute. Just those little small things that um, is very practical that you could do throughout the day. I think is very very helpful. So, yeah, and and I think in prayer also asking the Lord to help make us holy. Ultimately, yeah. it's mm-hmm. it's His work in our lives. So ask um, Him. Yeah. yeah. So ask yeah. Him. Ask Him to take those <laughs> things in your life that you feel are burdens or are obstacles. Yeah. Um, to take them, make them His own, and make you holy. Because ultimately, if you want to become a saint, it's because you're madly in love with God and you want to be with Him forever in paradise. Yeah. Um, and he's the only one that can bring us there. I think that's, I think that's a great way to go. The, uh, I think oftentimes we kind of get caught up in this idea of, you know, the getting beat up in the course of day-to-day life and all of my trials and frustrations. Um, and Michelangelo, he was once asked, uh, how you make a beautiful sculpture. And they were expecting a superficial answer. And he said, the secret to great sculpture is that in every block of marble, there's already a beautiful sculpture. Mm-hmm. So the great, the art of sculpture is just the removal of that, which is not good. Yeah. And a lot of times these things are really just God's way of knocking out the things that aren't super great in our lives. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks for joining us today for today's Seminarian Show. You can hear this show every Tuesday at noon and Sunday at 1 p.m. and in the audio archives at stgabrielradio.com. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. The Seminarians is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of The Seminarians and all of our locally produced programs are available at stgabrielradio.com. Sun